0: Y'all ready? All right, 1 Samuel chapter 30. Let's go. 1 Samuel chapter 30, starting in verse 1. It begins like this. Now it happened when David and his men came to Ziklag on the third day, the Amalekites had invaded the south and Ziklag, and they had attacked Ziklag and burned it with fire and had taken captive the women, those who were there, from small to great, and they did not kill anyone, but they carried them away. So when David and his men came to the city, and there it was. It was burned with fire. Their wives, their sons, everybody, their daughters, had been taken captive. Verse 4. Look at verse 4. Then David and the people who were with him lifted up their voices and wept. Everybody say they wept. Until they had no more power to weep. Until they had no more power to weep. They were all taken captive. They were all taken from their lives, their wives, their family, their children. Everything had been taken captive. Look at verse 6. Look at verse 6. Now David was greatly distressed, for the people spoke of stoning him, because the soul of all the people was grieved. Every man for his sons and daughters. Look at this. They were grieving. But David encouraged himself in the Lord his God. But David encouraged himself in the Lord his God. Amen? Look at verse 8. Verse 8, for sake of time. So David inquired of the Lord, saying, shall I pursue this troop? He's asking God. Shall I pursue this troop? Shall I overtake them? And he, God, answered, the Lord did. He says, pursue for you shall surely overtake them and without fail, recover all. Everybody say recover it all. Uh-uh, y'all didn't do it. Y'all ain't listening. Everybody say recover it all. all. There you go. Everybody say recover it all. all. Just one more quick reference to this amazing story for the sake of time right here. David had took with him 600 men. He takes 600 men with him. 200 of them stay on the other side of the, uh, the, the, the river, on the stream. 400 of them go with David. David takes 400 men with him. And they find an Egyptian who was a servant to the Amalekites who was working out in the field. They had left him for dead. They find this Egyptian servant, David and his men did. And David talks to him and says, can you take me to where the Amalekites are camped out? You've got to read it, guys. Read the story, 1 Samuel chapter 30, okay? Read the story. It says in verse 16, for the time's sake, we're going to go down to verse 16. They found the Egyptian and 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 verse 16, it says, when he, which is the Egyptian that I was speaking of, had brought him down, speaking of David, there they were, the people who had done this horrible thing. The Bible says they were spread out all over the land. Amen. They had done this horrible thing. They're spread out all over the land. They're eating, drinking, dancing. Because all of the great spoil which they had taken from the land of the Philistines and from the land of Judah, that's David. The land of Judah is David. That's David's people. Amen. Those are his people. Then David attacked them. Everybody say attacked. Attack. Y'all ain't listening to me still. Everybody say attacked. Attack. There you go. That's better. Verse 17. Then David attacked them. Look at this. From twilight until the evening of the next day. That Listen, that's a day and a half of fighting, y'all. From twilight until, the break, uh, until evening the next day. Not a man of them escaped except for 400 young men who rode on camels and fled. Verse 18. So David recovered all. Everybody say, recovered all. So David recovered it all. So David recovered all that the Amalekites had carried away, and David rescued his wives. Look at verse 19. And nothing of theirs was lacking. Do you see that? It says, and nothing of theirs was lacking. They got it all back. And the verse ends, David recovered all. Everybody say, recovered it all. He recovered it all. And I want to speak to you for a few minutes out of this story right here about this because because there's some powerful steps to victory that David took, amen? There's some powerful steps that he took that everyone can take at the next devastating, darkest day, the most worst day of your life because God moves on your darkest days, amen? Ziklag was a city, That was in existence in 1012 B.C. David was 29 years old. He had been anointed king, but he was not yet reigning. Amen. He had already been anointed, but he was not reigning on the throne. Saul was trying to have him killed. Saul was his father-in-law. Saul was trying to have him killed. (coughs) Excuse me. He was running for his life. David had gathered 600, the Bible says, mighty men. He had gathered 600 mighty men in a cave, and he had made up his mind. He says, I'm fixing to make winners out of all these losers. Amen. That's what he did. He said, I'm going to make winners out of all of these men right here. You see, Ziklag in this story represents the place that every one of us will visit at some point in our life. Amen. Ziklag represents a place that every single one of us under the sound of my voice right here this morning, is going to visit at one point or another in our life. Ziklag is what they call the in-between place. Ziklag is not Bethlehem. It was not the place of beginnings. Ziklag was not Jerusalem. It was not the place of endings. Amen? Ziklag was the in-between place. It was not the place of destiny. It's the place where you're being developed. Come on, somebody. It's the place where God is using and processing you to handle the throne y'all miss that that's a great spot for you to say listen to me Ziklag is a place where God is processing and developing you to be able to handle the throne amen <laughs> and we're all gonna visit it we're all gonna visit it one day David lived in Ziklag for one year and four months David and his army had been coming home from several magnificent military victories They had not seen their families in months. Suddenly, they look up and they see this big ominous black cloud of smoke. Come on, somebody. They're coming home to get ready to see their families. And as they're walking up on the ridge to look down into Ziklag and their families, they see this big ominous black cloud of smoke. And everything's destroyed. Every house is burned. All their kids are gone, their wives are gone, his money's gone, his finances are gone, everything is gone. Every home, every residence was burned with fire. The Amalekites had attacked, killed, slaughtered, and kidnapped their sons, their daughters, and their wives. How do you go on? How do you go on when you walk into the worst day of your life? How do you go on? How do you go on when you you face a day like David had to face? And every one of us are going to end up in zigzag at some point. I'm just here to tell you, you are going to end up in a place at some point in your life, it's the worst day of your life. Amen? I guess I'm preaching to myself this morning. I'm not sure what's going on out here. But one of you, you are going to end up in zigzag one day. Amen? Come on, somebody. And you're going to wake up one morning and you're going to say, this is the worst day of my life. How many of you been there? How many of you been there? If you ain't, hang on, baby, because it's coming. Hang on. You're going to say, this is the worst day of my life, and we can pretend it's not going to happen. But when you have that day pop up in your life, and then you find yourself, yourself standing in the ashes, you're standing in the smoke of the rubble of what's, what was your, used to be your life, and, and everything is devastated. Everything's devastated. David could not avoid Ziklag. Can I tell you? you will visit Ziklag. You cannot avoid Ziklag in your life. Somewhere between the prophecy and the destiny, you're going to find Ziklag. Amen. Somewhere between the prophecy that has been spoken over your life from the beginning of time until you reach that destiny, you are going to find Ziklag somewhere in the middle. You are going to stand there one day and you're going to look and you're going to say, oh my goodness. God, what have you called me to? Amen. Amen. Come on, somebody. I'm telling you right now, look at John 10, 10. It says the thief comes to everyone's life. The thief comes to everyone's life to steal, kill, and destroy. It ain't just my life and it ain't just your life. The thief comes to everyone's life. You are going to end up in Ziklag at one point or another in your life because he's coming to steal, kill, and destroy. Amen? Are y'all following me this morning? He's coming for you. David took some steps to victory. He took some practical steps that you ought to do. Amen? Y'all ready? He took some practical steps. When you're in the worst place of your life, and the first thing David did, number one, is David wept. David wept. Amen? He wept. I think it's so significant that he stood in the ashes and the rubble of what he knew, of everything that he knew. He stood in the ashes and the rubble of his life. And you know what he did? He began to weep. He began to weep. He stood in the rubble and the devastation of his life and he began to weep. He wept for his family. He wept for his home. He wept for his city. He began to weep for his wives. He began to weep for his children. And not only did David weep, but this is so amazing to me because the Bible says that everybody that was with him started weeping. It wasn't just David. It was four, six, 600 of these mighty men. Y'all don't understand what I'm trying to tell you. These mighty men, these powerful men, these are what we would call navy seals on steroids, and then some. Amen. If you read in 1 Samuel, these men were were, were trained killers, they were hand to hand combat, they were more vicious, and, and they were standing there weeping. They were warriors on another level. Amen. In other words, listen, they had faced death many times, and they're weeping, they're weeping. They had become used to bloodshed. They had faced tragedy so many times in their life. Listen, guys, but on this day, these grown, massive, powerful men were jello. I don't know if y'all have ever been there on the worst day of your life, but I'm going to tell you I've been jello many times. Come on, somebody. Amen. Amen. These grown, powerful, massive men are just weeping. They're just weeping. Your Bible says in 1 Samuel 34, look at this. It says they wept until they could not weep anymore. Look, they had no more power to weep. Have you ever been there where you just cry yourself dry? (laughs) Come on, somebody. You just cry yourself dry and you have nothing left. Okay, I guess that's just me too. Said they couldn't weep no more. They had no more power to weep. They wept. That's what you do on the worst day of your life. You weep until you can't weep no more. Amen. A lot of people think that if you have faith, that somehow, if you live by faith, that you're immune to your feelings. Come on, somebody. If you live by faith, that you're somehow immune to your feelings, right? That somehow... You shouldn't let anything affect you emotionally. That, that any sign of tears and, and sorrow and grief or any of that and pain and devastation is somehow a failure of your faith. Amen? Well, you got faith. You got to be happy and joyful all the time. No, these men wept. There are times people say, I'm full of faith. I'm good. I'm happy. No, I'm not good. I'm weeping. It's the worst day of my life. Amen? It's the worst day of your life. These men wept. The Bible doesn't teach that if you're full of faith, listen, that you should not be in touch with your feelings. The Bible doesn't teach that. The Bible does not teach that. Many of the greatest people in the Bible wept. Abraham wept when he was standing there at the grave of his wife, Sarah. Thank you for that arousing applause. I appreciate that. (laughs) Abraham wept at the grave of his wife, Sarah. We know that Joseph wept when he was reunited with his brothers after the family had been so divided and he had been estranged from his family when they were reunited. He wept when he finally revealed himself and they were all joined back together, Joseph and his brothers. They grabbed each other and they wept. Amen. The Bible says that Hezekiah, when he received the news that he was going to die, they told him to set your house in order. He wept. Amen. Jeez. Paul in Acts 20, he said, I served the Lord with many tears. I served the Lord with many tears. And we know that even Jesus at his friend's funeral, John 11, shortest scripture, in, right? Jesus wept. He wept. He wept. He was moved. He was God. He was all powerful. And yet there was something that made him weep. Amen. There was something that just made him weep. Just made him weep. He wept because he felt the sorrow and the emotion of the moment. He wept because he felt the sorrow and the emotion of the moment. So when you understand that, when you, you understand Ecclesiastes 3, 4 says there's a time to weep. There's a time to weep. Amen. So get rid of that bomb theology if you're in touch with your faith, there's a lot of great people that wept in the Bible. Amen? Come on, somebody. Come on, somebody. If y'all want to weep through this service, go ahead and weep. I don't even care. (laughs) Listen, get rid of that. Psalm 35, listen to this, gives us a great promise about weeping. He said, weeping may endure for the night. Come on, somebody, but what? But what? Come on, y'all ain't following me. Huh? Weeping may endure for the night, but joy comes in the morning. Ain't that a great promise? Hallelujah. Ain't that a great promise? If you have a night of weeping, you will have a dawn of faith. Amen. If you have a night of weeping, you will have a dawn of faith. I promise you there will be another season of joy if you won't give up in the night of weeping. Amen. If you don't give up in the night of weeping, the Bible says joy is coming in the morning. Don't give up in the night of weeping. Come on, somebody. I don't know who needs to hear that right there. I don't know who needs to hear that. But if you don't give up in the night of weeping, joy's coming in the morning. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You know, as a matter of fact, there is a weeping. And I want you to catch this because there's a weeping in the Bible that can go beyond normal grief. And you can begin to enter into unbelief. Amen. And self-pity, that's why God, listen to me, that's why God got mad and got angry in Numbers 11.10. Look at this. It says, then Moses heard the people weeping throughout their families. Everyone at the door of his tent. And it says the anger of the Lord was what? Greatly aroused. He was mad. He got mad at them. The people of God were in the wilderness and they began to weep. And they began to say, well, we wish we was back in Egypt. This is hard. Come on, somebody. And, 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 and look, that's not a weeping of sorrow. That's a weeping of unbelief. That's what God said. That's why he got mad. There's not, listen, your tears don't have hope in them. Your tears don't have faith in them. He said that's a weeping of unbelief. Well, I just wish we was back in Egypt because it's better over there than it is over here. And, and, and the Lord got greatly mad at him. Come on, somebody. You keep, listen, it's okay to weep if you weep knowing that a season of joy is coming in the morning. Amen? You have to have hope in your tears. You have to have faith in your tears. You can't weep with unbelief and self-pity and sorrow. Amen? Come on, somebody. In the second book of Samuel, chapter 5, the Bible talks about David. Listen, and he was in the valley of Raphael. I want you to listen to this. Raphael is the Hebrew word that means giants. It translates giants. Okay, listen. Basically, David was in the valley of gigantic trouble. Okay, that's what, he was in the valley of Raphael. He was in the valley of gigantic trouble. And the Bible says that he got under a weeping tree. Psalm 34, he wrote, he, wrote, he said, get out of, the, out of the valley of Baca. B-A-C-A, listen. The Hebrew word for the weeping tree is Baca. B-A-C-A, okay? David, I, I want you to see this picture. So David is here, and the Bible says that he gets up under a weeping tree. He's, under, he's, un, he, he's got these gigantic problems. He's in the Valley of Giants, and he gets up under what they call a weeping tree, and he's in a dark, deep valley, and he doesn't know what to do. He feels overwhelmed. He's getting destroyed. He's getting beat, and suddenly the word of the Lord comes to him, I want you to look at this and the word of the Lord says in 2nd Samuel 5:24 Listen to the sound of the marching above the tops of the weeping trees says mulberry tree the, the weeping trees baca trees B A C A listen to me because when you hear that sound David then you shall advance quickly the Lord has gone before you to give you the victory hallelujah come on somebody in other words he said David He said, David, there's a sound above your weeping. He says, you can stand out here and weep and cry all you want to. He said, but there's a sound above your weeping that's louder than your weeping. And there's a voice that's giving you victory because God has already gone before you. You can, listen, if you'll listen to the voice of the Holy Spirit, he will not leave you in the valley weeping. Amen. If you listen to the voice of the Holy Spirit, he will not leave you in the valley weeping. Because there's a sound above your weeping that says, I've got victory for you. Come get it. I'm going to restore unto you what the enemy has taken, and you shall recover it all. Amen. Amen. You shall recover it all. And I want to tell you, if you can't recover it, God will replace it with something better. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. There will be another season of joy. I want to tell you, God will wipe every tear away from your eye. God will take everything that the enemy meant to destroy you and he will get glory out of it amen if you just come on if you just believe it amen he will take everything that the enemy meant to destroy you and he will get glory out of it hallelujah amen if you just believe it how many of you believe it this morning come on hallelujah can i tell you you'll never receive a miracle feeling sorry for yourself You'll never receive a miracle feeling sorry for yourself. At some point, you got to come up out of the tears. You got to come up out of the tears of unbelief. You got to come up out of the tears of self pity. And you got to stand up and you say, You know what? I'm crying. I might be sad right now and I might be weeping for the night, but I promise you, joy is coming in the morning. I'm coming up out of these tears. I got a God who's giving me victory. Come on. Amen. He said, I'm coming up out of this. Joy's coming in the morning. Joy's coming to my family. Joy's coming to my marriage in the morning. We may be weeping now. Woo! Can you clap your hands if you believe it for me this morning? Come on. Oh, it's hot. Can I tell you something? Don't let grief conquer you. Don't let grief conquer you. Don't let grief conquer you. Don't let it conquer you. Amen. The second thing David did, listen, when, when, when something awful happens, you weep. Number one, but you weep with faith. Come on, somebody. You weep with faith knowing that joy is coming, right? And then, you know, that's God's promise. He said weeping may endure for the night, but joy is coming in the morning. That's God's promise. So when you're weeping, weep with faith. Amen? Number two, David refused to get bitter. David refused to get bitter. Can I tell you, you have to refuse to get bitter. You have to refuse to get bitter because the Bible says that the men began to blame David. They wanted to stone him. The men began to blame David. David, who had helped all of these men immensely, he had done so much for these men. He had done all the... David, he had had done all kinds of things for these men. And they began to blame David. But in that moment... When tragedy hits, guys, listen to me. It's human nature inside all of us to find someone to blame. Come on. Come on, three of you. Three of you understand what I'm talking about. It's human nature when something happens inside all of us is to find someone to blame. I'm just telling you. It's the doctor's fault. It's the pastor's fault. It's the somebody's fault. Y'all know what I'm saying? It's human nature to find someone to blame. Right? It's what we do. We start blaming the person. We start blaming that person. We start blaming this. Listen, and then we begin to get bitter. And once, guys, listen. This is so important. Once we move from the tears... If we don't control ourselves and line up with the word of God when we're going through our darkest day or our worst day or we're going through grief and tragedy, if we don't watch it, we get bitter at people and then we start to blame people or we get bitter at God and we start to blame God. Amen? Because you'll move from the tears, the tears are going to dry up and then you're going to start getting mad and getting bitter at people. Then you're going to start getting mad and getting bitter at God. Amen? If you ain't careful. Amen? And this is what David refused to do. This is what David refused to do. Look at Hebrews 12. It says, looking carefully, lest anyone fall short of the grace of God. What he said is be careful. He's telling you right there, be careful that a root of bitterness not spring up in you when something happens that you don't understand or if somebody does something that offends you or hurts you. It's what he's saying. Listen to this. He said that a root of bitterness spring up and cause trouble And by this, many become defiled by it. You see that? Because that root of bitterness springs up. In other words, the root of bitterness, listen, the text says it causes trouble. It causes trouble in your health. It causes trouble in your marriage. It causes trouble in your finances. It causes trouble in your house. Come on, somebody. That root of bitterness will cause trouble. Trouble in all your relationships. When you carry that bitterness and unforgiveness in your heart, it will destroy you. And, 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 and it says it causes all kind of trouble. Well, how in the world do I get beyond the bitterness, Pastor? How do I do it? The Bible says that the children of Israel in Exodus 15 were in the wilderness. I want you to catch this. They were thirsty, and there was a pool of water that they had found. They tried to drink the water, but it was bitter. Amen? But God showed Moses a tree, and he said, I want you to take a limb off of that tree. He said, and I want you to put it in that bitter water and I want you to stir that water up and the bitterness will become sweet when the tree gets into that bitter situation. Amen. Are y'all following me? Y'all following me? Read Exodus 15. He says, I want you to take it and stir that water. He said, and when that tree of life gets in that bitter situation, it turns from bitterness to sweetness. What is the tree? Well, I'm glad you asked. Look at Proverbs 15:4. It tells us how to turn bitterness into sweetness. What does it say? A wholesome tongue is what? Come on, somebody. Y'all got to read this. What does it say? A wholesome tongue is what? A wholesome tongue is a tree of life. Amen. And when Moses put that tree into that bitter water and it turned sweet, let me tell you something. Our tree is our words. The Bible says that the tree of life is our tongue. Amen. Come on, y'all. Y'all got to catch this. Speak words of healing, not words of criticism. Come on, y'all. Use your tongue for healing. Use your tongue in bitter situations and begin to speak the word of God and begin to speak the things that God speaks. What did I tell y'all? God talk. Y'all start speaking the things that God says. Start speaking the word of God. If your marriage is bitter, if your life is bitter, our tongues can be the healing force that turns bitterness and roots of bitterness and unforgiveness into healing. Have y'all seen that thing on Facebook and it says, what can you say if you and your wife are arguing? What can you say to, how about I'm sorry, to stop the argument? The tree of life is right there. And you have the power to turn it. Listen, the tree of life is right there in your mouth. It's called your tongue. It's called your tongue. Life and death are found where? Come on, somebody. The tree of life is in your mouth. And when you speak, a wholesome tongue is a tree of life. That's what it says. Proverbs 4.23 says this. Keep your heart with all diligence. Watch this. For out of it springs. That's speaking of water. Y'all hear me? It says for out of it springs the issues of life. So when you speak healing words and you turn bitter into sweetness with your words. Amen? David made up his mind and he wept. But he wept in faith and then he refused to get bitter. And then thirdly, this is a powerful step to victory that David took. And I'm going to tell you, this is so hard. On the worst day of his life, David encouraged himself in the Lord. David encouraged himself in the Lord. He said, I am not encouraged by my circumstances. He said, I'm not encouraged by anything that's going on. He says, I am encouraged because I'm focused on God. He wept. He refused to get better, and then the Bible says that he encouraged himself in the Lord. How do you do that on the worst day of your life? Do you encourage yourself in the Lord? His own men were talking about stoning him and killing him, but the Bible says he encouraged himself in the Lord. He started picking himself up in the Lord. He's standing there, and his house is still smoking, his house is on fire, his whole city has burnt down. His children have been kidnapped. His finances were devastated. He's lost everything. But in that moment, he said, I can still find the courage to get up. He said, I can still find the courage to fight. I can still find the courage to come out of all these smoking. And the Bible says that he encouraged himself in the Lord to fight. Amen. I don't know he knew who needs to hear that. But I am telling you right now, you need to encourage yourself in the Lord. And he encouraged himself. What do you do when tragedy hits your life? When you lose your job? When you lose your business? When the doctor's report is bad? When you end up in a divorce that you didn't want? What do you do? What do you do? The one translation said when he encouraged himself in the Lord, it says, you limit your focus to God. Look at this. You get God tunnel vision. Come on, somebody. You focus on how mighty He is. You focus on how powerful He is. You focus on how faithful He is. You focus on how He will never leave you nor forsake you no matter what happens. Amen? In Acts 26.2, look at this. The Apostle Paul said, I think myself happy. He said, read it. He said, I think myself happy. I think myself happy. One translation says, I command my emotional state to be one of joy and happiness. Another translation says this, I choose the joy of the Lord as my dominant emotion. Hallelujah. Come on, somebody. He said, I choose the joy of the Lord as my dominant emotion. In other words, you just get up and you say, you know what? I can have a cheerful consistency. Come on, y'all. I can have a cheerful consistency. I don't have to be laying down in depression and fear and worry and guilt all the time. Can I tell you that is not God's will for your life. Amen. Amen. Encourage yourself in the Lord. He is still mighty. He is still powerful. He's still fighting for you. He is still on your side. Amen. I want you to shout it with me. Depression will not overtake me. Come on. Hallelujah. Fear will not dominate me. Worry and defeat will not dominate me. Anger will not dominate me. Addiction will not dominate me. Alcoholism will not dominate me. (laughs) Encourage yourself in the Lord. Amen, come on. You got to encourage yourself in the Lord. Hallelujah. And then he did something powerful. It says he inquired of God. Listen, God, should I pursue them or should I just give up on this dream? God, should I pursue them or should I just give up on this dream? And when he inquired of the Lord, here's the fourth thing David did. Listen. David got a word from the Lord. Amen? David got a word from the Lord, listen, that gave him a vision. He got a word from the Lord. God said what? Yes, pursue and you will what? Recover it all. Y'all wasn't listening. He got a vision from the Lord on the inside of total victory. Amen? On the inside. He had got a vision and a word from God On the inside of total victory. Listen, nothing had changed. The circumstances, the smoke was still smoldering. Nothing had changed, but he got a word from the Lord. And I want to tell you, there's two Hebrew words in your Bible that talks about the word. There's logos. That's the word from the beginning to the end. That is Genesis to Revelation. It is God's written word. It's called logos. Genesis to Revelation. It's the Bible. God's word, logos. Amen? Amen? Then there's a word called rhema. A rhema, and rhema, it's a spoken, specific now word for the right person at the right time and I want to tell you when you get a rhema word from God it is not some vague impression it is not something that well I can you know do this and do that it's, well, you know what when God is speaking a rhema to you it's not like you're saying well kind of sorta I can try to fit this into my life but it really don't fit that's not a rhema word of God amen when God speaks a rhema word to you it's like thunder in your spirit amen come on somebody I'm here to tell you, when God speaks a word to you, it's like thunder in your spirit. It's like suddenly, even though you're in the same situation, even though your house is burning and your wife's gone and your kids are gone and everything's devastated, you get that rhema word, and he got a vision of victory. Amen. He got that vision right in the middle of this mess. He got a word from the Lord. Suddenly he had that vision, listen, in the same circumstances, Nothing had changed, but it was a specific word for a specific person at a specific moment. That's a rhema word from God. And when you get a word like that, God says, now it's up to you to stand up. He said, and now it's up to you to decide what you're going to do. He said, now it's up to you because I've given you a word you're going to fight. Shall I pursue? Yeah, I pursue. Now you got a decision to make. You get a rhema word from God, what are you going to do? You're going to stand up and fight? Come on, somebody. And when I tell you to move... God said, move, for you shall recover it all. That's what he told him. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Can I tell you, your vision is your future. I'm almost done. Your vision is your future. Your vision is your future. Your vision is your future. Amen. Job chapter 39 says that an eagle... Spies his prey from afar. Eagles can see from where they are to where they're going. Come on, y'all. Too many Christians are chickens. Eagles can see. The Bible says that, that the eagle spies his prey from afar. Eagles can see from where they are to where they're going. And I want to tell you, too many Christians or chickens walking around, pecking around on old McDonald's farm and all you're worrying about is the situation that's here. You ain't even got no vision of God. You're just walking around. You're just looking at all the problems you got going on. You're just pecking around like a little chicken. You know, and you ain't doing nothing but seeing the problems that you're stuck in. You can't even see where you're going. But when God gives you a word, Then suddenly, like an eagle, you can see from afar. Because God has given you a word on the inside. And things may not look good right now. You might be in this situation and and things don't look good right now, but I'm telling you, God's showing me and my vision is victory. Hallelujah. (laughs) He had got a vision of total victory. He got a vision of restoration. And the Lord said, you shall what? Thank you, somebody's listening. Praise the Lord. You shall recover it all. I want you to write this verse down for me. I want you to write this down for me. Genesis 13, verse 14 and 15. I'm almost done. Hang on, hang on. I'm almost done. Another hour we got here. Genesis 13, write this down. God said to Abram, lift your eyes now. Everybody say, lift your eyes. He said, lift your eyes now. I want God to help me preach this to somebody this morning. I am struggling right now to get this to somebody, but that's why I want you to write this verse down because I need help preaching this to you this morning. Amen? Because I know some of you are having the worst season of your life right now. I know some of you are in Ziklag right now and the worst situation and the worst days of your life. You're crying yourself to sleep and you're broken. I've been there. We've been there as a family. We are there now as a family. I feel like we've been living there for years. I'm here to tell you this morning. Amen. But I'm not living there now. Come on, somebody. He said, listen, lift up your eyes and look from the place where you are. Northeast, southwest, he said, for all the land which you see, I'm going to give you and your descendants forever. Can I tell you something? Do not be confined to where you are. Look at your eyes up right now and don't put your eyes focused on where you are. Do not be confined to the problems that you have right now. Don't be confined to them. Say, I won't always be depressed. I'm not always going to be sad. I'm not always going to be defeated. I'm not always going to be struggling through life. I won't always be a drug addict. I won't always be in a place of failure. David got a vision on the worst day of his life. And he got a vision of victory. Amen. Amen. And the last thing he did, I want to tell you this, is David got mad at the devil. Come on, somebody. Woo! <laughs> he got mad at the devil. So important. I feel this in my bones this morning. Can y'all tell? He got mad at the devil. He got mad at the devil. I love that last point. Now, his soldiers got mad at him. Come on, somebody. His soldiers got mad at him, but he knew who the real enemy was. Listen, my battle is not with flesh and blood, he said. I'm good. My battle is not with flesh and blood. And the Bible says that they took David down behind a rock or a boulder or whatever. And when he was watching the Amalekites, they had kidnapped his family. They had taken his children. They had burned his city. They stole all his treasure. He looked and he saw his gold and silver on the camel's backs spread out all over. Listen, look at 1 Samuel 30 verse 16 right here. He looked over, he saw his gold and his silver on the camel's backs And there they were spread out all over the land. They were eating, the Bible says. They were drinking. They were dancing. They were partying. I can see Abigail, David's wife, being forced to be put out there in the middle. And everybody's touching her and putting their hands on her. And and she's resting and David's sitting there watching her. And and I can see right now, I want to tell y'all something. I want to tell y'all something. David was not a girly man. David was a vicious killer amen and he is sitting here behind a rock watching him touch his wife David was a vicious vicious killer David was so bloody God said I can't even let you listen he says you've been in wars and you've killed too many people he said you got so much blood on your hands I'm not even going to use you I'm going to use you, boy to build my temple you can't even do it David was not a sissy he was not a girly man And I'm telling you right now, David sees them touching his wife and he sees his kids huddled up over there in the corner all scared. Come on, somebody. He sees them standing over there all scared and crying, holding one another, sees his gold on all the camels. Suddenly something hit him. And he says, you know what? I'm not a victim. Come on, somebody. He said, I'm not a victim. I'm not going to just sit back and take this. I'm not a victim. He said, I'm mad at that spirit that thinks he can come and take over my family, take over my marriage, take my wife, take my kids, take my home, my society. He said, you can't have my family. You can't have my children. You can't have my church. Come on, y'all. Amen. He said, you can't have my nation. You can't have my world. Woo! Come on, he can't. You can't have it. David got mad as hell at the devil. Amen. And I want to tell you, if I'm here this morning, greater is he that is in me than he that is in this world. And I'm here to tell you right now, you got to get that vision of victory. Amen. Will you stand your feet with me this morning? I told you I was about done. Stand your feet with me this morning. Can we offer God a big shout of praise right now because I feel like it just feels in order. It just feels in order right now. give him a shout of praise this morning. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. God has an intense anger against the devil. You know that? God has an intense anger against the devil. That's why he created hell. I want you to look at this last scripture, Matthew 25:41. Look at this. He has an intense anger against the devil. Jesus said, depart from me you cursed into the everlasting fire. I want you to listen to this. Prepared for who? Prepared for who? And don't say you. It doesn't say it was prepared for you. Hell was never created for you. We put ourselves there. The reason God ever made hell. Is simply because God had an intense anger against the one that comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Amen? That's why He created hell. And I know I'm preaching to somebody this morning who's going through the darkest days you've ever faced in your life right now. I'm preaching to somebody who's in the middle of zigzag. You're there, and the enemy whispers to you and says, You'll never see a change, it's never gonna happen. You're stuck. The enemy's a liar. The enemy's a liar. The enemy's a liar. God brought you here this morning. You are not here by accident. God brought you to this service this morning. Amen. And I know if I'm preaching to you, maybe not sure what you're going to do. Maybe you're not sure what to do. Maybe you don't even know. Maybe you don't know what you're going to do. Maybe you don't even know how you're going to recover from this. Can I tell you, God sent me here to tell you this morning that you shall recover it all. He told me to tell you that this morning. That you shall recover it all. Get mad at the devil. And I promise you, what you don't recover, he'll replace. Get mad as hell at the devil. Get mad at what the enemy's trying to do to you. Can I tell you, God has a word and a picture of victory for you today. Come on, lift up your eyes from where you are Lift up your eyes from where you are. You shall recover it all. And if you're in this room and you're saying, Pastor, I feel so far from God. I need help. Can I tell you, this is your service. This is your service. If you need deliverance, if you need a breakthrough, this is your day. Amen. This is your day. Let's give him a shout of praise in here this morning. Come on.